when it comes to heating up your business, it's all about making more bacon. And that requires an expert with a particular set of skills. You need a Baconologist. Building authentic connections, online networking, through social selling, relationship marketing, mindset and training. Yeah, that's bacon. Get ready, because we're about to fry up a sizzling success strategy. This is the Bacon Podcast with your host and business Baconologist, Brian Basilico. It's a lot of bees, man. Welcome, everybody. I'm your host, Brian Basilico, and this is the podcast where you learn to make your business sizzle online. So are you ready to fry up some new business? Hey, peeps. I am uber excited, and I do mean that because I have a great guest today. Her name is Victoria Montgomery Brown. Yes, she is so awesome. She has three names. I think you have four or five, too, right, Victoria? Something like that? That's totally right. <laughs> it's amazing. So, I, man, I have a hard enough time remembering my two. But anyways, how are you doing today? I'm doing fabulous. I love that. So... When I first met you, you were known as the Digital Goddess. As a matter of fact, you have a book by that name, right? That's exactly right. So you wrote a book called Digital Goddess, and um, you also started a company called BigThink, which is this awesome video service. If you guys have not checked it out, go to BigThink.com, and they've got some great like, short 10-minute videos in there. Something that you will not find on YouTube or some other places, and it's it's very, very cool. But we're going to be talking about authenticity today. And so what I like to do is get my audience to know you. Let's know the authentic, Victoria. How did you go from working on an assembly line with computer chips to assembling teams and video content? Well, that's a great question. I will say that that was after high school and even after college. I worked at Celestica, which put together... Uh, basically the chips or memory boards, as I think they were called back then, for IBM computers. But I'd always had an interest in leadership and in high school, ran for student government and was student council president. And I'm going to give my dad total credit for this because he grew up in Alaska and worked um, as a construction worker, had really no means and put himself through high school and college. And he always said to his kids, you need to figure out and learn the basics of what makes society go forward. And so I got a job working on this assembly line, and I have to say it was one of the best and most important experiences of my life. I can imagine. And uh, I, I did something similar when I got out of electronics school. I was assembling these particle tech thingies. But one thing I've never done is sold door to door. And what is it that you sold? <laughs> I sold garbage bags for a company called Save Our World, S-O-W. And I was a really, really good door-to-door salesperson. I don't know why. I was funny, I guess. Um, and SOW was the sort of acronym. And I remember coming up with this line, which was like, I'm a poor SOW with 10 little piggies. Can you please buy my garbage bag? <laughs> and people like that. Um, plus, I think the fact that I was... One thing that I've learned in sales is that a quick no is better than a slow yes, honestly. Mm -hmm. And so I would run so quickly from door to door that it was a numbers game. And I think that's also helped me in in business going forward. I, I just seek the no as quickly as I can get it. 
and and seeking a no quickly is is good but you know you started this company that basically got a whole bunch of people to say yes i mean neil degrasse tyson a whole bunch of very prominent people in society to come on and do some content and my guess is your combination of your down-to-earthness and your uh, ability to get to know and having the sales and assembly side of things uh, really helped you with that authenticity, right? I think so. I think also that believing in what one or what I'm doing is, is really important and really not taking on BS. I'm, I'm fortunate enough to have been in a position where I, I basically can do what I like because I choose not to do what I don't want to do. Um, and that's probably limited me certain in certain ways in terms of being, you know, a giant hedge fund manager or something like that. But it's enabled me in that I've just basically done what I've wanted to do and believed in. Yeah. And, and you've done a great job with it. I mean, just looking at the, the website and the things that you've been able to do and, you know, to your kudos, you grew it and you sold it, which is awesome. But as you did this, you had three kind of core things that kind of helped you, you know, grow the company, work with people and do those kind of things. Can you tell us the first one? Yes. So it's truly work with people you like and that sounds like a bit of a position of power because if you are a founder or a CEO or something, that can be something that you make happen. And early on in my career, post-business school, I also found that that means working for people you like and you respect. Um, and I had certain instances where that was not what I was doing and I felt somewhat trapped and I realize now that I never was trapped. I was trapped in my own mind. But working with people you like or for you like or respect is one of the most fundamental things if you have that freedom to a good life. Yeah, and I agree with you. And, and one of the things that I often say and hear is work to your strengths, hire to your weaknesses. And as a CEO, you have to hire people that know things that you don't, but you also want to work with people that you feel like you can know, like, and trust. I mean, you know, even something as simple as having somebody work on my house, you know, do I feel comfortable enough giving them the house key and walking away and going and doing something else, you know, so if they need to get in and out? I think that's the same kind of feeling that you're talking about, right? Trusting somebody and knowing that they got your back. Absolutely. And, you know, it's such a cliche, but... Life is short, and if you don't trust the people that are around you and that you're contributing to their success or they're contributing to yours or to a greater good, it's just not worth it. And I've dealt um, as an employee and as an employer with people that I have just not felt right about. And it's just honestly such a bad feeling, and it's not going to push the mission forward of the organization you're working for or, um, or working with. And... I don't know. It's, it's, it's one thing that I learned really early on as being a CEO when I had that power, so to speak, of hiring people that I thought would contribute to what we were doing. And sometimes I thought that they were more important than they were. And I let that get the best of me. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, um, it was my gut feeling early on that was what I should have listened to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had... Um 
you know, it, you reminded me of something. I've been in bands all my life, and you know, bands are basically just a bunch of egos that have talent. And uh, <laughs> you know, sometimes you're 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 getting with people and you stick with them because they're very talented. You know, and you, you it's man, he's a good drummer, he's a good keyboardist, and stuff like that. But you just don't like them, and and you know, sooner or later, they just either you know, let you down or do something really stupid. So, and I think that's the key thing is if you're going to get up every day and go to a job, you know, I love playing guitar. I love doing being in a band. And that was kind of like my, you know, my mental health thing. It was the thing that I did for enjoyment. So why was I torturing myself, you know, yeah. when I was out working with a band? And then that kind of led me to, well, you know, if I'm going to do that, I, I also want to, you know, find joy in my every single day, but I also want to work with people I like. So you're your second point was talking about that is about you know your mental health and finding joy and, and just loving what you do right I totally agree with that and I will say that years into founding and running Big Think the pressure of it was getting to me so much that I started to experience panic attacks and there was kind of a shame and embarrassment about that um, mm -hmm. and I also was speaking negatively so much that my business partner took me aside one day and essentially said, you know, if you're speaking so negatively about what we're doing and all the worries of what could go wrong and will go wrong, why are you doing this? And why are we doing this? And I realized that mental health um, is a truly important part of any position that one is in, whether it's with family, friends, or work, and I started to really basically get a grip on myself and get help. Um, and it's made my life a whole lot richer than it was. And finding joy in what seems like mundane things is, I think, all about having a good state of mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I, I, I often say that some people see the glass half full. Some people see the glass half empty. I'm just damn happy to have a glass you know, <laughs> and that's, that's the way that I try to look at things is like, no matter what you have in front of you, you know, just do the best that you can. And, you know, and again, if you, if you hate doing something, find somebody else to help you. But I think it's, I think the big key is one tied into two. In other words, you're working with somebody who is a partner who came to you and, and open, was open and honest and saying, you know, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? And, you know, and, and basically, you know, didn't berate you, but kind of opened your eyes. You know, they felt comfortable enough with you and vice versa that they could tell you what was going on. And they helped you stop being in that, you know, that mopey person walking around the office, which we all hate mopey people. I'm telling you that right now. Absolutely. So from going from there, um, you know, one of the keys to success that you talked about in Big Think is assembling a staff of people you like and making them all, you know, having a happy workplace, right? So what was the key to success with Big Think? What was the big aha that you took away from that? Well, in terms of my own leadership style, I would say that when we started Big Think and I was the CEO and was for 13 years, I had this notion that command and control, like the military, mm -hmm. was the way that an effective leader should be. Um, and that, I thought, was delivering results, but it wasn't make, making me happy. And I certainly don't think the people who were working with me felt content about it. And for me, the big aha moment was the realization, which is so sort of cliche at the moment, 
that flow is the way to go. And essentially being in the moment and appreciating each and every moment of what is being done, achieved, created is as good as it gets. And trying to control people or having myself control to achieve results is never going to be as good as it gets, so to speak. And so letting go and letting people deliver their best selves and their best creativity and results is what's going to achieve ultimate outcomes. And I think, as silly as it sounds, that's what was the aha moment for me in running Big Think. Yeah. If people are great, let them be great. Yeah, and I don't think it's silly at all. One thing that you you made a great point in that flow is just not a bad character in progressive TV commercials. Um, it's something <laughs> that happens every single day. And the other thing that you brought up too, and I was having this conversation with one of my neighbors, we walk our dogs in the morning together. And he, he said, you know, how do you define success in your business? How have you been able to do this? And I said, well, the key thing is the first focus, and when I work with a project manager, I tell them right off the bat, here is where we're going. Number one, the main goal is to make the client happy and successful. If they're happy and successful, all the rest of the stuff flows. The next thing is to make the people that I work with happy and successful and to make them enjoy what they do and they provide the best quality content that makes the client happy. Then from there, when they're all happy, that makes my life a lot better. So mm -hmm. I think one of the things that you talked about in here is how working with other people helps you become successful, right? That's true. And I've learned so much um, from the people that I've worked with. Mm -hmm. I've learned about my weaknesses. Um, I've learned about essentially how I've um, brought people down. And, you know, it's, it's not pleasant in the moment, uh, but those are really, I don't know, critical moments of growth for each of us. And the people around us show us who we are. Absolutely. And then, so let's kind of give my audience how all of this helped Big Think. When you started it, what was your vision and how did your journey take it to where it was to the point that somebody came to you and said, you know what, we like this. We want to give you lots of money for it. Well, I wish it was lots and lots of money, but yes. it was, it was, it was <laughs> some, some money. But um, the way that uh, it was conceived is that it was way back in 2006 and it was right at the start of YouTube. And um, I thought, well, there are all of these incredible elite organizations or conferences things like that, that only extremely elite people get to go to. And why wouldn't these people want to share their knowledge with a vastly wider audience? Um, and again, you know, it was, YouTube was in its nascency. It was not, um, the internet was somewhat new. And I just figured like, there's got to be a way for these people to share their knowledge. And so the concept was, uh, and I had really never heard of Davos, uh, before, but I guess about two months after the concept of Big Think came to light, it's like, okay, Davos, this elite conference in Switzerland, which leaders of the world, rock stars, et cetera, get to go to, um, totally sequestered and secluded. Why don't we make something like Davos democratized, where um, you or I or anybody in the world could learn from such a, an extraordinary group of people who are in fact changing the way that we work and live. And 
So that was the sort of nascence of it. And it, it's always kept to the same principle, get people smarter, faster by the world's leading thinkers and doers. Um, and for, for, for 14 years, that's stood the test of time. And um, that was kind of the guiding principle and still is, still is today. That's awesome. So what was your biggest aha or takeaway from starting and running this company? What, what was the thing that amazed you the most? I think the thing that has been most amazing to me is that if I'm having fun and feeling like I'm contributing, the business is doing well. If I'm super anxious and worried all the time, that means that the business is probably not doing so well. And realizing that ease and to go back to the concept of flow really is emancipating and probably means that you're doing well and that you're doing well for others and anxiety and feelings of strife and difficulty is not actually effective. Um, and I think that a lot of people confuse that working hard and being stressed out and anxious means that you're doing good work. For me, the aha moment was, it means that I'm not doing good work. Mm. That's deep and good. <laughs> really, really good. So Victoria, I'm sure my audience is going to want to follow you and learn more about your book, Digital Goddess. What is the best way for them to follow you or get in touch with you? Well, they can honestly email me directly um, with my email, which I'll give to you, which is vrmontgomerybrown at gmail.com. I'm on Facebook. I don't really tweet or anything like that, but the best way is to check out bigthink.com. Awesome. Well, Victoria, this was deep, fun, and interesting. I really appreciate you coming on and dropping some sizzling hot bacon knowledge bombs on my peeps. I appreciate it, and I look forward to chatting with you again soon. Me too. Thank you so much. This has been wonderful. Thank you for letting us sprinkle some bacon bits into your brains. Want some more? Learn more about this podcast and our guest experts at baconpodcast.com. Have questions? Send them to askbrian at baconpodcast.com. Until next time, keep sizzling. And remember, it's all about the bacon.